Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That's our theme verse from Acts chapter 16, verse 30 for this week's Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Senior Pastor Perry Duggar continues the series called Church Extended. This week's episode, Salvation. For this week, the spiritual practice, think of someone that you'd love to meet Jesus for the first time. Pray for them every day this week and ask God for opportunities to share the beautiful message of salvation. If you want to watch a video of this week's message, listen to worship, or search through the message archives, visit brookwoodchurch.org slash watch or download the Brookwood Church app. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date with the Church Extended series. We pray this message encourages you and your walk with Christ. And now, here's Senior Pastor Perry Duggar. Today we continue our series, our Acts survey called Church Extended. I'm dealing with the latter half, a little more than half of the book of Acts. And today's message is entitled Salvation. The theme verse from that passage is from Acts chapter 16, and that's where we'll focus, Acts 16. And it's part of this verse, 30. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Acts 16 through 18 tells us about Paul's second missionary journey. And we're just going to focus on on one story out of chapter 16. I urge you to read all of 16. There are many different, goodness, there could have been a dozen messages in this. But I'm just going to, for time, focus on one. And we'll see in this passage that God turns bad circumstances into spiritual benefit. And he illustrates physical imprisonment leading to spiritual freedom. As Paul traveled, and we begin chapter 16, he was led by the Spirit to avoid certain places, certain regions. And then in a vision, he was called, actually there was a man pleading to come to a region of Macedonia, which is in northern Greece. That's verses 6 through 10 in that chapter. He arrived in the city of Philippi. Philippi. Today it's a ruin. And Philippi at the time was a major city of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And there he encountered a businesswoman selling cloth. What was her name? Lydia, yeah. Seller of purple cloth, which was very rare. And he led her and her household to faith in Jesus Christ, 11 through 15. Now, here's what's happened. A church has been launched in Philippi. And Satan quickly attempts to infiltrate infiltrate that young church fellowship with a demon-possessed medium. And understand this, infiltration is an attack from within the church. Persecution is an attack from outside the church. Which one do you think is more destructive? Inside. Inside. So we begin at verse 16. One day as we, this is Luke, he's traveling with them, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon-possessed slave girl. She was a fortune teller 
who earned a lot of money for her masters. Do y'all think fortune tellers can really tell the, the tell fortunes? Yes. Some know. Some are frauds, and they just take what you say, and you know. Some can. Enabled by demons. Enabled by demons. There is no white spirit helping mediums, though our culture loves hearing that. And she, notice this, she was a fortune teller. She earned a lot of money for her masters. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God. And they have come to tell you how to be saved. Is that true? Well, then what's wrong with it? It's the mouth of Satan. That's what you said, wasn't it, Robert? The source. Because in the source is a malevolent motivation. See, mixing some truth with some lie makes all a lie. And see, our culture loves this idea of, of white spirits and, you know, all, the, all of it's of Satan. And we have to get real clear that it's either from God, only God, all of God, or it's not of God. A little truth with a little lie makes it all poison. But you got to understand this because, boy, our culture today, Christians are, are dabbling in all this other stuff. They went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Anybody think demons are around today? You know, they don't have a short lifespan. You know, I think that I have been too quick to avoid over-sensationalized the presence of Satan in our culture, and I've under-emphasized it. And as I get older, and as I see our culture becoming ever more corrupt, I see the hand of Satan. Do you? Or am I just reading into this? I think I have made a mistake not looking more carefully, and I can tell you in the next year, I'm, I'm going to be looking more carefully to detect where is Satan at work. Scripture tells us he's at work all the time. And so we are living in the midst of a spiritual battle. We war not with flesh and blood is what Ephesians 6 tells us. And Peter tells us that Satan's like a roaring lion looking around for who he can devour. And some of you already, he's taken a bite out of you already. And Christians, especially immature ones, now you may have been going to church 25, 30, 45 decades, but immature in your faith, therefore in your discernment, Christians, I believe real Christians, can become so enamored with spiritual power 
that they'll seek it. Now again, y'all can say, oh, Perry's sensational. I'm seeing too many signs and symbols of the presence of Satan in our culture. People using all these pictures, all these drawings of, of the goat head and all. And I don't know whether they really are serious about Satan or they think it's clever. Clever marketing. But I'm telling you, it's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous, dangerous thing. And they're in videos and they're in movies and they're mar- used for marketing clothes and uh, tennis shoes, all kinds of things like that. And so people, young Christians, can like the excitement. And they might be dazzled by the power because there's real power there. But they fail to discern that the source is evil. And it should be avoided because it'll look innocent at first and then it turns dark and deadly. Because remember, Satan comes masquerading as what? An angel of light. An angel of light. So the answer to false religion is the real thing, is faith in Christ revealed, received through salvation. So we're going to look at a salvation story there in the middle of chapter 16. And first we'll realize the possibility of persecution that exists. Now, this girl was a slave. And notice, her masters didn't rejoice that she was delivered from a demon. They were enraged. Which reveals the evil cruelty of every form of slavery, but also the, the, the evil, the wickedness of exploiting other people for financial profit and not caring about the people. So verse 19, her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. Let me tell you, folks. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10. I read something this week that said that human trafficking was about to advance past the sale of drugs at producing money globally. Human trafficking. Because drugs are used up. Humans can be reused over and over and over and over and over. You know what it is? It's a wicked form of slavery. Let's, folks, let's open our eyes. We've got to see. I'm not an alarmist. I think I've come late to see some of these things. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. That's not true. They shouted to the city officials, the magistrates and governors. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. Now, it's true there was a law on the books, but it was not a law that was enforced. It was an archaic law that Roman citizens 
um, shouldn't practice any foreign religion not sanctioned by Rome. But here, what you see is that Paul obeyed God, not, the, not an old Roman law that was not even enforced. But when, when there's a clash between the state and God, we have to always follow God anyway. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. Not, to, not for upheaval, but for, for the gospel. So this, is, this, this mob was stirred up. Folks, mobs aren't good arbiters of what's true. They're easily manipulated. I don't care what political side you're on. Mobs are easily politicate, politi- uh, politicized and manipulated. And so this mob was led by these slave owners with these false charges because they were just trying to stir up trouble to get some influence with the city leaders. And so the city official ordered Paul and Silas stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Anybody see an investigation? No, they just wanted to put it down. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison, again, illegally, and the jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. And when they would clamp their feet in the stocks, they would spread their, feet, their, their legs as wide as they could go, and then they would clamp them. Now, Paul and Silas had not tried to, to create an uprising But they were harassed by a mob, they were beaten with rods, they were imprisoned in a dungeon, and their legs were fastened cruelly into stocks. Paul and Silas weren't treated fairly or justly, but we can't expect to be either. 2 Timothy 3.12, yes. And everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus might suffer a little bit of persecution. Is that what anybody sees? Well, what do y'all see? I can't. You don't believe that, do you? Will suffer persecution. Now, you have to be living in a way that's exceptional that doesn't blend in and folks I'll, I'll say this over and over we must never mistreat others we must never speak arrogantly about our faith or be dismissive of anyone but we are promised that we will be persecuted mistreated if we live Christ-like in a culture that's becoming more brazen in its rejection of biblical morality and the true Christian faith. Did you ever think that taking a stand for a biblical form of marriage would cause you to be labeled and even attacked? Our culture is showing rising signs. Now, it began years ago with Christian symbols and signs being removed from public forums, Ten Commandments in public buildings, nativity scenes on courthouse squares, ending prayer in schools. That was just the beginning so that uh, these children weren't 
influenced. They weren't aware. They, they, they weren't be favorable to these things. But today we see an even greater rising incidence of the suppression of the Christian faith by disallowing personal faith. You know, when your, your boss says you can't put a cross on your desk, you can't, you know, and students can't have Bibles or pictures or T-shirts or wear caps that express their faith. And supposedly all these things are a violation of the First Amendment. But let me tell you, none of them are. None of them are. First Amendment forbids a government-sponsored religion. First Amendment doesn't forbid anything in terms of individual expressions. And the answer to our societal ills, and we have some, poverty, injustice, addiction, abuse, that we should, we should pay attention to. But the only answer will be found through the gospel. And right now, these societal ills are being jerked back and forth for political advantage. Th these are issues that we as the church should be addressing. You know, that's why we're considering a, a medical clinic. We need to, you know, let this, some of the, the isolation stuff um, dissipate. And, and quite honestly, giving needs to go up because we have to pay for the overhead here, but also fund such a project. But our hope is that we could meet some of these needs where people desperately need medical services and can't afford them. Just do the cost of medicine today. But the gospel is the answer. And we will, you know, obviously we would meet physical needs so we can supply spiritual answers. Because the gospel, only the gospel, replaces hatred and resentment with, with love and kindness and generosity. Only the gospel. And if you look globally, the largest portion of benevolent work, medical assistance, globally is still done by Christians. You don't hear that, but it is. But beware, advocating God's way of achieving peace through concern for others, through humility, through personal sacrifice, will not always be accepted and may result in your mistreatment. Here's a question. Are we willing to suffer for living our faith publicly and humbly spreading the truth of the gospel? Are you willing? A salvation story always requires us also to rely on God. Verse 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. You know, they probably couldn't sleep too well. What do you think? With your legs cramping, you ever, anybody awakened in the, in the night? with a cramp. Now, that's not what my mother, my mother used to call it what? Charlie horse. Charlie horse. So, you know what I'm talking about. You might be laying there dead to the world. Next thing, you're jumping up like a lightning bolt, trying to get your feet on the floor. 
Now you imagine if you have a Charlie horse and you cannot move your legs. Imagine the agony and the filth. So they couldn't sleep. And some of us, if we were like that in the middle of the night, we can't sleep, we're having our legs cramping. What do we do? Complain? Yeah. <laughs> I heard complain from several sources. Whine a little bit? Complain? They praised God. They praised God. And while they were praying and while they were singing, the other prisoners were listening. See, the other prisoners were amazed that these men were worshiping in the midst of their suffering. But now, let me, let me say this. Let's be careful. Paul and Silas understood what many of us seem to forget. Praising God does not depend on our circumstances. Because we're not thanking God for our difficult circumstances. We are thanking God in spite of those circumstances. Very different, isn't it? Very different. Because we know God is good and God loves us. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5. Always be joyful. Well, was your entire week good last week? Linda, everything go beautifully for you last week? But you had to be joyful. Always. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. I don't see force for all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. But understand, there's a few conditions here. One, you'll only experience this joy in suffering and difficulty if you're filled with the Spirit. Because see, being joy with, joyful when things are going bad isn't human, is it? No, it's a fruit of the Spirit. And, and the Spirit gives us this inexplicable, unexplainable joy in the midst of hardships. But there's another thing we need to understand. We will pray in prison. We will sing in shackles. Only if we have an accurate concept of God. That he loves, helps, never abandons us. Even in the midst of suffering. See, if you've been around here a while, you've heard me say this over and over. What we believe about God will control how we live and act and how we suffer. See, what you believe about God controls everything, every day, in every place. Did you know that? Now, I can tell you this. I think I might could sing in shackles. I think I might could. I haven't been tested. But it has surprised me 
the question of whether I can sing when my grandson's in shackles. When he's on dialysis and three months old. And is Romans 8.28 still true? I didn't put it on the board because I want y'all to look it up, but all things, everything works for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Now, I'm going to tell you what, God and I have fought. I prayed laying down, standing up on my knees, flat down. Sometimes I've shouted at God. Sometimes I've said, why don't you do something? But you know what? I know God is good. And you know, I'm, I'm so indebted to you as a church. You have prayed for Graham and you have supported my daughter and her, son, her husband and financially and you've made meals and you've done so many kindnesses and sent cards and all that. And we are crying out to God. And we're not through, but we don't have a promise of what's going to happen. You know, I, I remembered when I was studying, I remembered I had read some years ago about the words on a cellar wall where Jews had been hiding in Cologne, Germany during World War II. And they found this scratched on the wall. I believe in the sun even when it isn't shining. I believe in love even when I can't feel it. I believe in God even when He's silent. So God's doing some soul work in me and all of my family today. And I hope He is with you. Paul and Silas didn't base their understanding of God on their circumstances. Instead, they evaluated their circumstances in light of what they knew about God. The songs of Paul and Silas expressed confident trust in the God who would use their circumstances for their good and His glory. And they would not have long to wait for him to intercede. Verse 26. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. I assume that means the stocks as well. See, God controlled this natural occurrence. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He probably either lived somewhere in the prison or next to it. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. A Roman soldier who allowed a prisoner to escape would be punished by death. So the jailer was going to kill himself rather than face the humiliation and the pain of execution and Paul shouted to him stop don't kill yourself we're all here he didn't just mean he and Silas he meant all the prisoners were there I wonder how many of us would have told our imprisoner not to kill himself 
Some of us might have enjoyed the scene. Do we trust, do we rely on, do we believe in God even when our circumstances are painful? Do you? You have anybody have any bad circumstances? Well, how do you feel about God? Because I'm going to tell you, it's very telling. See, what we believe about God in our worst moments is what we believe about God. What we believe about God in our best moments will just be the same as we believe about Santa Claus. What do you believe about God in the worst moments, in the hardest days, in the midst of suffering? A salvation story results also from a believer responding to interest. Verse 29. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, no doubt this jailer must have been aware of the message that Paul and Silas had preached, you know, perhaps he was told that when they were locked up. And he regarded this earthquake as supernatural confirmation that these men spoke the truth. Now you say, well, why is that? Because they had, they had had earthquakes, but they didn't have earthquakes so particular that they flew open every door and they unlocked all the chains. I wonder how many of you have had a supernatural occurrence that convinced you of the reality of God and the truth of the gospel. How many of you? Hold them up a minute. I want to see. Hold them up again. A supernatural occurrence. Don't forget it. But, but let me tell you this. If you're born again... Any of us that are born again have all had a supernatural occurrence. See, we tend to value these things that happen in the physical world that looks like miracles. But what happened inside of you spiritually is the greatest miracle that's possible. The jailer's question, now, now hear me this on this one. The jailer's question Express the desire of his heart to be right with God. I believe every person has that desire. You believe that? You can argue back from where you are. All at one time, go ahead. I believe every person has that desire. Now, you know what? They may, they may have run from it, and they may have fled to some awful places, but every bit of it is driven by this unsettled longing, this emptiness to know God. Because only in knowing God do we know ourselves. Only in knowing God do we know who we are, what we were created for, what our identity is. Only in knowing God. And Ecclesiastes 3 tells us that eternity is planted in the heart of every man and woman. 
Romans chapter 1 tells us that every person there's, knows there's a God. Look at the mountains. Look at the beauties of creation. Let me tell you this. Evolution is just a way to try to divert people from the longing of God. Evolution doesn't make any rational sense. In fact, now evolutionists are beginning to really turn and all say that there had to be some intelligent design. Because otherwise, what formed at the, at the microscopic, at the subatomic level, could not have happened from environmental efforts alone. Although, although some are saying, I can't remember the atheist from Harvard who's well known. He, he, he admitted intelligent design recently in a debate but his conclusion was there must have been aliens, extraterrestrial, who came and started it. Because he's not going near God. But that's a determination, see. That's a determination. Now, this jailer may have even, he may have heard the words of the demon-possessed girl, either directly or in others. So when the cell doors flew open, when the chains fell off, he believed these two men would know how to be saved, how to get connected to God. Let me tell you this. Whoever you know, whoever may be the most antagonistic toward faith, in fact, particularly the ones who are most antagonistic toward faith, they are unsettled by their desire to know God, to know truth, to know purpose, to know meaning. And they said, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Simple message with eternal results. See, remember, remember what believe is. Believe is just not cognitive acknowledgement. The word in Greek that's translated English believe is pistuo, and it means to, be, to believe to the extent of complete trust and reliance. To believe in, to have confidence in, to have faith in, to trust, to rely on. All of those words in the Greek New Testament come from the same Greek origin. Rely, trust, have confidence, belief, all from the same word. And when the gospel is spoken to hearts prepared by God, prepared by His Spirit, spiritual results are inevitable. You don't have to convince people. You just have to share good news to those whose ears have been prepared to hear it. The jailer, his family members, the servants, the guests, all heard the gospel and believed. Now again, this wasn't just some emotional or cognitive agreement. This is transformation. And listen, I want you to hear me clearly on this. Salvation is strictly and completely by faith. With no requirements and no conditions. But... 
And this is a very big but. Salvation is always accompanied by evidence of faith. And we even see it in the story of this jailer. Verse 33, even at this hour of the night, remember, it was midnight when they were singing, so it's, it may be one o'clock by now. Even at this hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. So what you see here is concern for other believers. Then he and everyone in the household were immediately baptized. It wouldn't have been a a popular thing to be identified as a Christian in this town. And it's in baptism that we publicly profess our faith in Jesus Christ. So they're not hiding. This wasn't done in secret. They all went and they were baptized. And the word would have spread. They may have not been a big crowd in the middle of the night. But that's what happens and we'll be baptizing in a few weeks outside. That's what happens. These people are they're professing their faith publicly and they're being welcomed into this body of Christ. I urge you to come. Cheer it. That's a a life-changing moment. They're already born again, but they're giving evidence. He brought them into his house and he set a meal before them. People didn't have huge pantries like we do. How many of us this week threw away something that we never got around to eating? They didn't have pantries like this. They didn't have any excess. So here's this jailer, and he's offering what he has to these people who were considered criminals and were imprisoned only an hour before. And enemies of Rome, they were considered. And he and his entire household rejoiced Because they all believed in God. See, you have to be careful too when he said, you and your household. He didn't mean that the whole household would be Christian because the jailer became Christian. No, no. He means that everyone has the same invitation and each one accepts it individually. Individually. But these people were likely idol worshipers. So they had a radical change. This jailer was ready to commit suicide. There may be some in this room that have felt depression or fear so great or challenge or threats so great, they considered that. But this man was truly ready to commit suicide, already had the sword drawn. But now he experienced and he expressed the joy that comes from knowing God and from having His sins forgiven. Has God opened your cell door? Some of you today envision yourself imprisoned in a cell. God will open it. Has God freed you from your shackles? I don't want to embarrass you, but has God freed any of you from shackles? Well, then here's my next question. Has he prepared a Philippian jailer for you to tell the story of your freedom and how you became saved? Our care volunteers are here.
You know, if I've struck a chord in anyone or you feel like the Spirit is speaking to you, they'd love to talk with you. They'd love to pray with you. You say, well, I don't know. I'm not ready yet. You don't have to be ready. You might want to take one step. And they'll be here as long as you need to talk with you, to pray with you, to anoint you with oil for healing. Might be emotional healing, could be physical healing. God heals. He doesn't heal in every instance. But He always has the power to heal. And so we ask and pray. Father, we thank You that You are willing to save not because we deserve salvation, not even because we want it, but because you desire to show mercy, to give grace to us, to accept us into your family, to forgive us of our sins. And we praise your name for that. Amen. Thank you for coming. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. Our memory verse is Acts chapter 16, verse 31. They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. At Brookwood, we want to help you pursue a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience a transformed life. One way you can do this is by getting connected at Brookwood. Please email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call 864-688-8326 to speak to someone on our Connections team. If you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast. Thanks for listening and have a great week.